All right. Good. I like it. I like it. Um, <coughs> can you get me some glasses over there? Thanks, babe. I don't think so. You know, also would be awesome. Be so awesome if I had. My, oh, I do. I have my notes. It's like that'd be great. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, you're gonna have to listen fast. What time are we anyway? So, can somebody tell me what time it is? Ten fifty-four. All right, you're gonna have to listen fast. So, um, Jana and I've been uh, thinking a lot about family and um, a lot about core. And I want to spend some time this week. We we may spend some time in future weeks. Um, thinking about that, and uh, and we know from Scripture, you don't have to go look this up, but we know from Scripture that every family uh, derives its the nature of who it is as a family, the nature of Father, Mother, God, from God Himself. So that's that's kind of the root, that's kind of the core of for us, and I may say core. Somebody keep count of how many times I say core today, but that would be the essence of who we are as a family is we belong to our lover, and his desire is for us. Like, that's, that's who we are. So, um, flip over to Psalm 67 real quick. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, but maybe read it in your translation if you want, just to see kind of where, uh, where you see some new things by reading multiple translations. We good? You all there? Psalm 67, the Passion Translation. It's time to praise Him for the pure and shining one, a poetic song for praise for guitar. God, keep us near Your grace fountain and bless us. And when You look down on us, may Your face beam with joy. Pause in His presence. Send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover Your ways and know who You are and see Your power to save. Let all the nations burst forth with praise. Let everyone everywhere love and enjoy you. Then how glad the nations will be when you are their king. They will sing, they'll shout, for you give true justice to the people. Yes, you, Lord, are the shepherd of the nations. Pause in his presence. No wonder the peoples praise you. Let all the people praise you more. The harvest of the earth is here. God, the very God we worship, keeps us satisfied at his banquet of blessings. And the blessings keep coming. Then all the ends of the earth will give him the honor he deserves and be in awe of him. So God, we just, we just pause in awe of you, in awe of your word, in awe of your love, your goodness and your affection and kindness. And Jesus, we are asking that just like, just like in the, the message from Bill Johnson that we saw, God, that we would, be, we would be overwhelmed by the love that you first loved us with and that our connection and our presence with you, God, we would just reflect this love back to you And so I ask that you would strengthen my sisters and my brothers this morning. God, give us an awareness of your presence. Give us an awareness of your blessing um, and and bring change uh, in us, God. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So this word early in the psalm, um, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. This word uh, in Strong's is Yeshua. I don't, I don't speak Hebrew, but it, Y-E, little e, Y, little e, S-U-A. And it means deliverance, help, or rescue from a dangerous circumstance or har- of a harmful state 
by a savior. It's a divine salvation, usually having its focus on rescue from earthly enemies and occasionally referring to salvation from guilt, sin, or punishment. So what I want to emphasize is this idea of salvation is not a rescue for far and later and away. This is a rescue for now. This is a rescue from enemies here and now in our midst. And you can see, if you think about that word, Y-E-S-U-A, is there a word that you think that sounds similar to that you've thought of? Yeshua, right? Yeshua. It's Yahweh saves Joshua, or in the Greek, Jesus. So the idea is that we can be the vessel now to communicate the reality of this kingdom here and now, that there's a completely different way of life available, this utter redemption of all things, right? Life and hope and healing that we can expect from Yeshua, healing for our bodies like Jana was praying for, deliverance for our souls, forgiveness, really a reunion of our spirits with God's spirits. So this psalm, when you read it, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. This is just like God's promise to Abram back in Genesis 12, and you don't need to go there, where God promised Abram, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Like there's something being given, this goodness of God, this mercy nature of God, his kindness, his affection, his compassion being poured out on us, right? This invasion. Sometimes we think about this heavenly 401k. We see salvation and we think, oh, it's for later. No, salvation came here. Salvation came for you. Salvation came for right now in a greater context than just some way to park it away. And I think, I think we know this to some extent, but there's a reality of his blessing. I think sometimes we get wrapped up where if I do these right things, if I, if I say the right thing, if I function in the right way, if I'm obedient, if I do all these things for God and I function in performance, then he's going to turn and bless me. And, and that is completely the inverse of the reality of this psalm and the reality of the nature of God, right? Because God is blessing first. God is functioning always in love and affection and graciousness and compassion towards us. And it's from that, from receiving that love and reflecting it back, that we're like, oh, I mean, a choice for obedience, a choice for response is a natural outcome of a life that's, that's just, I'm so undone by the love of God. It's the most natural thing in the world. So for us, this is a core concept of what it means to be family. That we would be blessed, that we are blessed, that this is the reality, so that we will bless others. Like this is, this is fundamental to who we are as a family. So I was listening to Bill Johnson, not just this morning, but also a couple of weeks ago. And he said this thing that was so startling to me. He said, when we think about the nature of God, we owe people, like we owe the world, a divine encounter. We owe that we're walking and functioning in a way that people see that and connect with and sense the divine encounter that we're walking in and the presence of God that we carry, that that divine encounter would be part of what they receive as well just by, just by, in, just by interacting with us. That we, off, we owe the world divine solutions, heavenly answers to worldly problems, and to walk in the wisdom of God and to be able to impart that and carry that and give that away. That we owe the world a, to live a blessed life. We owe the world to function in hope and life and healing and peace and joy and fullness, 
right? Because it's the nature of who we are. So if we're living in less than that, this isn't a place for shame and condemnation and, oh, I stink and I'm not getting it right. It's like, no, wash that off. It's a lie because the blessing has been conferred. The blessing has already been given. There's nothing else required from you. It's, it's like, oh, like being able to stop for a moment and go, oh, I'm, that's where I am. That's how, how I function in this favor and this love of God. So God's attitude towards us, it's blessing. It's that we would seek his face and we would bask in his love and we would know his goodness here and now. Like, may God be gracious to us and make his face shine upon us. Like, we are looking face to face at the love of God. And that's, that's his attitude towards us. Ask yourself, at times, what is the look that God has on his face when he looks at me? It's a great question that Jana brings up. And maybe some of you have made a vision board or two off of that question. It's like, what is, what is his face? What is his face when he's looking at me? And then what would be my response? My response, praise, like in this psalm, may the people praise you, like that this is given, his blessing towards us. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the nations praise you. So my response is praise, intimacy, connection with him, and being, being a place to make his way known, right? I carry his image on the earth. I make his way known. And like Bill Johnson talked about, if you long for me the way that I long for you, you will be satisfied. So, it's great for me to get wound up, right? Because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah. Anyway, you, <laughs> I, it's just where I am this morning. But guess what? Monday, I did, I wasn't there, right? And I've been uh, Monday afternoon through Wednesday, uh, man, just some crazy stuff. And you guys know I've been talking to you about the fact that that the Lord has just put His finger on fear in my life, and showing me a root of fear that I had never recognized that I was so uh, yielded to. I was just yielded to this. I have been yielded to this spirit of fear. So um, a couple, uh, I don't know, recently, uh, I was spending some time with the Lord, and he gave me uh, a picture in my mind of, uh, I don't know that people drive in Nashville too much, but when you're driving north on 65, you're driving north towards 65, and you're almost downtown Nashville, and you come to this split for 440, okay? And the freeway just opens up. It's like it's eight lanes, and it's huge, and there's all this traffic. And I was running. I was running on that freeway, except all the cars were coming at me. But I'm running in the middle of this huge freeway, and the cars are all going the wrong way. And I'm looking at it going, what's going on? And I realize that around me, there's like a circle, there's a, there's a bubble around me, and I'm just somehow able to walk and then run towards these cars uh, when I realize what's going on. And the Lord was saying, I felt that he surrounds me with favor as with a shield. And as I began running towards them, instead of being afraid, the cars turned around. Um, and as the cars sort of tur- started turning around, I felt like the Lord lifted me up and the cars lifted up. And what I feel like that word is about is really a word for us as a community that we, we, are, we are opposing spirits. We, are, we carry the kingdom here and now. We carry the spirit of God in us. And we are not designed to walk or live by fear. That we are designed to go after it. To run at the mountain instead of hiding behind it. And to show people what it's like. 
to live this blessed life, to live in communion with God, and to go, there is so much more, and there is nothing to be afraid of because he has us. So I know this here, and I see it, and then I know that I'm still like working on going, God, make this a reality in my life. And Wednesday, I just got so ticked off at it, and poor Jana having to be around me and listen to me struggle through this. Because you guys, like, we can know this here, and then I can tell you that like, like Tuesday, I'm so undone with fear, I can feel it in my body. You know, I'm messed up, and I keep, I keep telling myself the right things, and I keep drifting back into it. And so there is a way in the places where you are stuck, in the places where you are not seeing the fullness of God, to keep bringing it before him and go, I insist on your truth, God. I insist that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And don't quit. Don't give up. This is the truth. This is the reality of who God is and what he's like and what he wants for you. And so you can't bail. You can't, you can't give yourself an out. If there's a tension between what you're experiencing now and what you know to be the truth of God, the problem isn't the truth of God. The problem is being able to stand in there and hang in there and let God's spirit draw you in a way as he works in you, draw you in a way into that fullness because the fullness is the truth. And I'm experiencing less. His blessing is on full measure towards me all the time. The issue isn't him. The issue is me and, like the little jump out, walking in shame and condemnation and beating yourself up that you're not getting it right, that you don't have it yet, and I should know better by now, and I should be further along, and why do I keep doing this? That's not helpful, right? That's an attack from the enemy designed, it's like this catch-22 designed to pull you back in pull you back into stuck and keep you stuck. It's like you somehow have to come back and go, I will have compassion on myself and I will lead myself back into truth. I will bask in his love and I will remind myself of the goodness of God right here and right now. Hey, Lizzie. (laughs) Uh, So, we can and ought to walk in the expectation of blessing blessing for ourselves and for one another. You'll remember that Jana said last week, when I say what you say, things change down here. So there is a place of declaration of speaking out what he says to see change here. So you can keep speaking out what's broken, what's lost, what's not working, what you're afraid of. You can keep speaking that out or you can become an imposing spirit and say, when I say what you say, things change down here. So we want to maintain that level of expectation. When you feel the drift, it's like being able to come back and go, oh no, the truth is, God is good. The truth is, his kindness is leading me towards repentance, towards a change of mind, towards coming back into direction with him. I want to maintain my level of connection with him. I want to defend it. And I want to maintain that level of expectation and hope. So, how do we keep our connection clear with him? It's not believing a lie that he ever wants less than what I've been describing for us. Being able to come back and identify lies that we're currently believing and rooting them out. Soaking in his truth, replenishing, so that we never believe less than the best of who he is. Sue Mead a couple weeks ago said, if you'll change your mind, you'll change your life. And God says, a lie is not your refuge, I am your refuge. So in this last couple of weeks as I've been working on this, we okay? All right. Should I? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at this furrow going, we good? 
Um, so, uh, I'm reading this book by a guy named Jonathan Welton, who's awesome. It's called Eyes of Honor. And in Eyes of Honor, one of the, one of the tools, like practical exercise that he asks, hey, by the way, if you're reading a book and there are practical exercises in it or you come someplace and they ask questions, go answer the questions. Like, <laughs> do the work. This is not a spectator sport. This is not about just taking in content. It's like, go find your heart with God and answer the questions and do the work and seek it out. Like, ask and seek and knock and press and don't quit. Do the work. It's worth it. So anyway, so Jonathan Welton had this thing, and he said, what lie, this is my interpretation of his question, but I, what lie have I accepted that is keeping me from the goodness of God? So that was my question this week that I've been, or actually the last two weeks that I've been asking God. And in the middle of this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday funk, God wakes me up. God wakes me up in the middle of the night, and I just went, what is the lie? And God shows me in my journal, I wrote, there is a lie, I believe, that I will inevitably fail and let everyone down and be exposed as the poser that I really am. That's my root lie. And I said to God, God, I confess that I believe that lie about failure more strongly than I believe in your kindness and your favor toward me. So go ask God that question and let him speak to you and let him remind you personally of what he really believes about the lie that you're carrying, about the lie that you're hanging on to, the lie that you think will bring you more comfort than what God can bring you and what God will do for you. So, as I kept journaling, God said, I love you with an everlasting love. My perfect love drives out fear. My love is relentless. I will climb mountains. I will tear down lies and nothing can stop my love. So, We looked at Psalm 67, but today is the two-for-one line-by-line in Scripture, except this one's going to go much faster. Just flip back slightly to Psalm 55. Sure. What lie have I accepted that is keeping me from the goodness of God? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was off the cuff. That was off my notes. I have no idea. What lie is bringing me more comfort than the goodness of God, essentially, is what I'm saying. Lies that I'm holding on to that help me make sense of my world. Lies that I'm holding on to that are giving me my identity. Lies about being stuck. Lies about not measuring up. Lies about not being good enough. So, where those lies are coming from. Psalm 55, starting in verse 2. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught distraught at the voice of the enemy. So the voice that is speaking that lie back and forth in your life, it came from the voice of the enemy. You've listened to it long enough, you think it's your voice. Sometimes it might even be in your mind, right? It might, it might have become part of you, but that lie initially is not, is not you. So Psalm 55 in a minute is... I am distraught at the voice of my enemy. I call to the Lord. If you uh, call to the Lord, verse 16, but I call to God and the Lord saves me. Remember the word saves? This is help right here and now. Not, and he saves me. Life's going to suck for the next 40, 50, 60 years, but later I'm going to be in heaven and it's going to be great. No. The Lord saves me. The Lord brings me rescue now, utter redemption right now, destroys my enemies now, gives me the victory now. Right? Like in um, 
You don't have to go there. In Colossians 2.15, uh, Paul talks about the, the triumphal procession. You know what? I'm sorry. We're going to go to Colossians 2.15, but keep your finger in Psalm 55 because we're going back there. Colossians 2.15. We'll start in verse 13. When you were dead in your sins... Okay, you don't need to go there. Let me just read it to you. Just keep your finger in Psalm 55. We're going right back. Just write down Colossians 2.13-15. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sin, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So this, this verse, the reality was when Rome, when Rome conquered an army, the victory was already won. Your victory in Jesus has already been won. It's a settled thing. You're free from the law. You're free from condemnation. You're free from sin, right? That's settled. That victory was won. A Roman army would conquer, and that would be settled, and then they would grab the kings, they would grab the queens, they would grab people that they cared about, they'd strip them naked, they'd chain them to the back of a chariot, and that Roman general would march through the city of Rome going in the chariot, and my enemies are dragging behind me in shame. And that's what Jesus did. Your enemy is being dragged behind Jesus' chariot in shame. And you are crucified with him. And you are standing in the chariot with Jesus. And it's your choice. If you listen to that voice coming from behind you in a naked, chained enemy saying, come back here, come back here, and listen to me tell you how you're less than. Let me tell you how you're not good enough. Let me tell you how you suck. Let me tell you how God's not really good and how he's not for you, and he doesn't really like you, and he's so disappointed in how you've acted, and how you behaved, and what you did wrong, and how you keep screwing up, and how you haven't really experienced his love. Like, you can choose to go back there, or you can stay in the freaking chariot. Do you know what I mean? Because we walk in triumph. We walk in goodness. This victory is settled, and we are, we are walking in a triumphant procession with Jesus. Uh, yes, I owe credit to Jonathan Welton for that picture too, by the way. So anyway, um, just keeping my conscience clear. <laughs> so going back to Psalm 55. So I am distraught at the voice of the enemy. Verse 16, but I call to the Lord and he saves me. Every morning and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. If you have to keep coming back to him during the day, it's okay. It's okay to come back to the Lord. So beyond that, I jump down to verse 22. I cast my cares on the Lord, and he will sustain me. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. And then the end of the last verse, verse 23. But as for me, I will trust in you. Making the conscious choice to choose my life, my hope, my healing, my Jesus. I will walk in that. I will walk in. I, have, I am whole. I am free. I can be true to him, true to myself. All right, a little bit more. So, one of the stuck spots here is the level of drama that we might carry about self-centeredness, okay? Like, what we're trying to do is trying to expose lies, and these lies are often rooted in a self-centeredness. And it looks funny, but I have to be relentless about my own growth and my connection to Him. So, Self-centeredness is, how do I look? Self-centeredness can be, oh, I'm a star, or 
I want to quit and nobody likes me. Um, I'm no good. Or self-pity or condemnation. So self-centeredness can both be wrapped up in my performance and how excellent I am, but self-centeredness can also be wrapped up in what a victim I am. And so we've got to get off that, we've got to get off that train and walk in a sense of his love for us that becomes a self-love, right? Like, I'm his daughter, I'm his son, I'm dearly loved, I walk in anointing, I'm anointed. So my friend Janice Picka wrote a book recently, and uh, <laughs> it's called More of the Holy Spirit, A Guided Journey to Real Life with the Real God. Um, we are not offering these today in the bookstore, but you can get them on Amazon. Anyway, on verse, uh, verse page 50, um, Jana is speaking about um, a scene from the crown. And uh, she's speaking about the, the anointing that happens, the anointing as queen that happens for Queen Elizabeth, but is tying it back to our anointing as queens and kings, uh, as his daughters and as his sons. And she says, this is who you really are. This is what's available. This is how to access the kingdom. Here's how far your territory goes. Here's what you have rule and reign over. So I just want to remind you of 1 John 2.27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. So here's the thing. You've been anointed. You don't have to run after anything. You don't need this special moment. You don't need an aha. You've been anointed and the anointing is real. If you belong to Christ, you are anointed, but most of us are unaware. Anointing means to be rubbed on. It's not a spiritual thing. It's an intimacy thing. He rubs off on you. This ups the ante for me. What's the point of being a Christian if I don't carry this? We have a lack of expectation. We don't know how much is really available. So, we see our connection with him. We think differently about our connection to ourselves and our connection to him. And from that, we think differently about our connection to one another. So, if we want to grow in core, if we want to grow as a family, we've been to retreats together, right? We did a women's retreat. We did a guy's retreat. I mean, we know one another. There's like 30 of us that represent probably the core of who New Wine is right now. So we have already done the work to tear down the walls. So we have to keep pressing into that connection with one another and figure out what that means. And so to keep our connection clear with one another, um, these are some bullets that you'll hear Janet and I talk about um, over time and that uh, really just kind of a language for us. We, we walk in honest. Number one, we walk in honesty and boundaries. So we're true with ourselves and we're true with other people. We let our yes be yes and our no be no and we function in honesty. So we live life by invitation. It's okay for you to say no. It's okay for you to say yes. It's okay for me to say no. It's okay for me to say yes. But I can invite people without being blown up if somebody says no to me, right? Like I want, I want people to walk in freedom. I want people to let, you know, choose what they want to choose. So... We feed the hungry. We are after and about your spiritual hunger. I want you to be after and about my spiritual hunger. 
I want you to function in a way that you spur me on to love and good deeds. And I'm going to always function in a way to spur you on to love and good deeds. And if you're not hungry, it's okay. But we're going to go feed the hungry. And we hope that you watching us feed the hungry will make you hungry. So that's just part of it. Um, We're going to love people through the stupid. And I like to spell stupid with two O's. Meaning that if you screw up, hang in there. Stay with us. We're going to hang in there with you. I'm going to screw up. You're going to screw up. Guess what? We love one another. We're a family. So just because somebody blows up, it doesn't mean, oh, don't come to dinner anymore. Like, come back to dinner. Talk about what's going on. Let's do highs and lows, and let's figure it out. We're with you. So let's love one another through the stupid. We walk in forgiveness, and we walk in reconciliation. And that doesn't just mean I get to be a victim, and I expect other people to come ask for forgiveness, and I expect other people to come towards me in reconciliation. No, it means I lead out in forgiveness. I lead out in reconciliation because I'm a son of God, because you're a daughter of the king. You lead out in forgiveness, and you lead out in reconciliation. Wow, I see that I hurt you. I see that I offended you. This is what I did. This is probably how this made you feel, and that's not okay with me because I love you, and I was wrong. Like being able to lead out and walk in that together. We speak the truth in love. We're willing to give correction. We're willing to receive correction. But it comes from a place that I care about you. I care about what's best for you. I care about the goodness of God being revealed in your life. And I'm close enough to you. And I'm intimate enough with you. That I can speak a word in your life. And expect that I may not deliver it perfectly. But you can receive it. And, and each of us carrying the expectation. That I could receive that type of correction from one another or that I could give that type of correction with one another and we'd be okay with each other because we want to strengthen one another we all are following hard after Jesus and we want to walk in that kind of a reality as a, as, a, as a family but we have to know each other well enough we have to know that we're safe we have to know that what we share can be trusted um, so it's about a, it's assumption um, listen there are assumptions that we've carried this is a guy named Joseph Granny I was listening to the other day and he's, he wrote a book called Crucial Conversations some years ago. And he said, there's an assumption that we've carried since we were little that we have to choose between telling the truth and keeping a friend. If you were going to be honest, you could well rupture a relationship. And the only way to preserve relationship is to compromise the truth. But all human suffering begins when we compromise truth and love. And it is possible to have both. So, here's the... Here's what we consider to be core or what I consider to be core because Jana has not sanctioned these notes. <laughs> so what I would consider for us to be core is you are family. You belong. We love you. We love one another. We love him. So that's what I got. And... uh I got a couple questions that I want to ask coming out of this that I'm going to throw up on the screen here really quick. Um, go ahead, what, Jana? You don't want to do those questions now? Sorry, change my mind. We're going to save those questions. So, you got something? I'm going off the front because I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you want to take the mic? Come on. All right. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Thanks. That was amazing. You want a mic? No. Because we got the video rolling. Uh, we'll just stop the video. Okay, let me stop the video. Okay.